Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger his master delivered him to the jailers, until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Well, hey everyone, we are looking at paradox. We're going through the book of Matthew together. We're continuing our series on paradox. They're parables that Jesus taught to help us understand the kingdom of heaven. Not an earthly kingdom, you know, the United Kingdom or something like that. No, a heavenly kingdom, whatever that is. But Jesus has told a set of parables to help us get it, to understand it. And this parable today is all about forgiveness. Now, I bet there's not one person watching this today who's never been hurt in their life at some point. Of course, we all have. We know what it is to have to forgive somebody once. What if somebody hurts you again? Oh, man, I've got to forgive that person again. The question is for us this morning, have you ever got to the point where you can no longer forgive someone? That's it, you've crossed the line. I can't go any further. Have you been hurt so much you can't forgive? And where is that line? Now, Peter, in this story we just heard read to us, Peter totally sucking up to Jesus. There's always one in every class, me, I've got the right answer. He's like, um, how many times do you forgive? Maybe as many as like seven times. You know, like not just one or two, seven. Bless him. Jesus responds to him. He says a few things, but he responds with this parable, this story about debt. Now, with Peter's uh, question about forgiveness, Jesus responds with a story about debt. 
Why has Jesus responded to forgiveness with debt? What's the link between forgiveness and debt? To answer that, we must really understand what actual forgiveness is. So before we launch into the parable, just want to have a quick few minutes just to understand what forgiveness is and what it isn't. So here goes. When you're hurt and someone hurts you, someone does something and they whatever, it really gets to you and annoys you, what do you feel? You feel a sense that that person owes you something. You owe me an apology. They've hurt you. The sense of injustice. No fair. Notice this only happens with people, not with like iPads. I have to forgive my iPad or my technology. But people with words and intentions and actions, that's a different deal. When they hurt you, the sense of you feel owed, you owe me an apology or something like that. It feels wrong, doesn't it? Just to, just to let people go free. No, you need to pay for that, what you've done. Let's wait for a moment. If there was no God, just come with me for a sec, and if there was no God in the universe and we were just evolved matter and just randomly brought together and it's just survival of the fittest, if there was no God, there'd also be no moral plumb line in the universe. There'd be no sense of right or wrong or what's good or what's bad. You know, we're just random chemicals anyway and just, just atoms. If there's no God, it doesn't actually make sense to feel injustice. You know, we're just survival of the fittest, who cares? No, but we, you and I both know that's not true in our hearts. We do feel injustice. When someone wrongs us, you feel it. You, you feel like someone owes you something. That's not how we work. We do feel the sense of injustice. And this points back to something, something bigger, something greater in the universe outside of us than just us. So what do we do when we feel owed? We make people pay. Now, we don't say that. We do it very subtly. How do we do that? If someone's wronged you, how do you make them pay? Maybe very subtly, you might just start to distance yourself from someone. You walk into a room of people, you're friendly of others, then just, just slightly cold, maybe just, just a cold shoulder, just, just slightly. Maybe in, mentally, they've got a black mark you know, over their heads, like everyone else friendly, mm, not them. And over time, you, know, you might just distance yourself. Then, then you feel like, okay, they've paid back. When someone owes you something, and the need to pay you back, what is that? It's debt. Hence, Jesus tells a story, a parable about debt. So what is forgiveness? Enter forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't just words, I forgive you. They're not just three words. It's way more profound and costly than that. It's cancelling debt. It's saying, yes, you've hurt me. Yes, what you did, that's gone in and that was not good. But it's saying, I release you. It's effectively saying, you owe me nothing. That's forgiveness. It's not a formal statement. It's a heart decision to let go of what you were holding over them. Now, no, forgiveness is not saying, oh, it's okay, it was nothing. No, let's pretend it's fine. No, that's just pretending. It was something. It did hurt you. So forgiveness isn't just like dulling it down to nothing. No, it's saying, yes, it was something. It did cost. Forgiveness isn't denial, but forgiveness is counting it and then releasing it releasing someone of debt. Now you might say, oh, that sounds lovely, mate. But what if someone's really wronged you? What if they really hurt you? I bet some people watching this today, you've been really wrong, like betrayal or intentional backstabbing. What if it's something far worse, like abuse, things that have gone on for years and years? You're just saying, like, I should just forgive that. And surely it's just easier not to, right? Just easier, just, just move on. We're in a big enough city. There's enough people here. If a friendship just, just doesn't work out, goes sour, just move on. There's other people here. Hey, we're in a big enough church. We've got lots of different sites. If you're friends in the community, someone hurts you. It's just easier just, just to move on from a friend, even move on to a different site. Just move to a different group of people. It's fine. It's just easier not to. 
Well, here's where Jesus enters the scene. He tells us of a different kingdom, not just the way of the world, but a heavenly kingdom. He brings a paradox to us, the way of the kingdom. He tells us about something completely different. So, hey, let's get into this parable. Let's get into this story. Let's see what Jesus has got to say for us. So it says in verse 23, which was read out to us earlier, I'll read it again. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, there it is, may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Pause there. What's a talent? A talent is 20 years of wages for a labourer. So, young labourer in a city today, maybe 100 pounds a day. A talent is 20 years of those life savings, 20 years saving that up. That's one talent. Each labourer, you know, would probably make two, maybe three talents in their whole lifetime. Two or three talents per lifetime. Jesus is talking here about 10,000 talents. This is a colossal amount of money. This is like 5,000 lifetimes of work in a lump sum. Just doing the maths, because I enjoy maths. That's like five billion pounds. It's like Jesus has got the disciples right on the edge of their seats. It's like almost a comedy amount of money. Like, what's going on here? You know, we've all seen films where someone owes a lot of money, and they send around the boys, and where's my money, and bash them in. The disciples are like, where are you going with this, Jesus? Let's read on. Verse 25. Since he could not pay, no joke, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. Now, this is a normal thing in this culture, just sadly, slavery. If you couldn't pay, you, you just had to sell yourself into it. You sold yourself. But not just his life, it was his wife and his kids, the whole family into slavery. And it says payment to be made. So any money he did make still had to go back to paying off this debt. Let's move on. Verse 26. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, I will pay you everything. What's going on? He's been found out. He can see the debt. And he panics. What does he say? I will pay you everything. Just pause for a moment. Like, sorry, I will pay you everything. Uh, mate, have you quite seen how much debt this actually is? It's, it's not two or three talents, it's 10,000 talents. It's like, dude, get with the program. It's like, you know, there's a lot more here than you realised. And his default, what's his default? Oh, I'll get myself out of this. It's like, dude, wake up. You couldn't pay this back. It'll take you 5,000 lifetimes. This is going to cost you your life. It's too late. You're in deep debt. And this is the tension that Jesus has just started up here in this parable. Now, Jesus told this story to make a point, hasn't he? Why such a stark amount of debt? Now, of all Jesus' parables, the characters in this parable, they represent people. So who, who are these characters? One, the king. Who's that? The king is representing God. And the servant is representing us. So hold up. You're saying, I owe five billion to God. What? Like, I know I'll get things wrong now and then. I'm not perfect. But man, I'm only human. Like, give me a break. True. Two things. One, God, he's also a person. So when you do things wrong against him, it is personal. He's not just like, a, he's not like an iPad. It's not like disobeying your sat-nav or Google Maps and just, oh, I'm going to go this way instead. No, he's a person. Therefore, when you do something wrong against him, it's personal. Now, he's laid out a plan for humanity. If you choose to ignore that or rebel or sin, it's personal. So like when someone does something wrong against you and you feel like someone owes you, well, hey, it's the same with God. The things that you're doing wrong against him, hey, guess what? We owe him. It's the same with him. We're in debt. Now you might think, big deal. I might owe God something. So what? The second point is this. It's not just any person. 
He's a king. Now it says in verse 23, this is the parable, a king settled the accounts. When this is what God says about himself in the Bible, he's a king. This is about royalty and authority. He's not just one of your mates or your boss. Yeah, I've let him down. Oh, well. No, he's like the monarch. You break one of his commandments, the stakes are way higher. In fact, it says in Romans 6, 23, in the Bible, the wages of our sin against this king is actually it's, it's death. It's the ultimate penalty. So like the servant in this story, the, the man of debt was way bigger than he realised. Now you might think, oh, well, that's a bit far-fetched, mate. Like, yeah, all right, we're in a bit of debt. But he's just been a bit sensitive, a bit touchy, isn't he, like this king? What's the problem? I'm happy as I am. I'm living my life in the city. Like, big deal. I'm happy to just roll the dice and see what happens when I die. Just, if you just thought that through for a moment, what kind of king doesn't stand for justice? What kind of king doesn't take sin seriously? Just think that through. He's the king of justice. And we like the idea. The sense of being injustice in the world. We like the idea that someone one day is going to stand for justice. We like it when everybody else's sin, apart from when it's our own. But friends, a day will come when just normal you and me, we will stand before God. And having our whole lives lived before him, all the things we've done wrong, our sins stacking higher and higher and higher and higher against us. When you stand before God, you're in debt. We're in debt. You might think, yeah, okay, he's the king of justice. Like, I haven't been that bad. You know, the parable's saying five billion. Like, I'm not that bad, okay? I'll be all right. I'll pay back what I owe. Just like the servant, I'll pay back what I owe. Just think this through with me for a minute. If there is a God in the universe, and all this time you know, I've just been ignoring him, thinking I'll be fine, but if there is actually a God, I've been doing my own thing the whole time, the things being wrong are stacking against me and against me and against me, I can't just say, oh, I'll be okay. It's like the servant, wake up. There's a debt way beyond what I can pay. I'm never going to be able to pay this. But wait, that's not where the parable ends. Verse 27, this is what Jesus says. Out of pity for him, the master of that servant, he released him and forgave him that debt. What is it when someone releases debt? It's mercy. He's not saying pay it back over these installments and these months. And he's not saying that. It's not, oh, you can go into slavery even if I think it's go free. No, he's not even saying that. He released him of it all. What is that? It's mercy. He showed him mercy. Where did it all go, that money? Do you know what? He just absorbed the cost. This, friends, is a picture of God. Jesus wanted to show us this is what God is like. How has God absorbed the cost? Let me tell you. The debt that was stacked up high against us as we stood before God, Jesus came to earth and he said, hey, I'll pay it. I'll settle the tab. I'll do it. How did he do that? Well, he said earlier in Romans um, 6, 23, the wages of our sin is death. Jesus coming to earth, taking a heavy cross up a lonely hill, goes, stretches himself on that cross, saying to God the Father that, that for all of their wrongdoing, for all of their sin, for all of the harsh words and the backstabbing, and for all of the racial injustice, all of the evil, from the worst atrocities to the smallest lie, I'll pay the cost. I'll pay for it all. And Christ paid that cost, absorbing it in himself 
on the cross. And we read in Colossians 2, another place in the Bible. It says it's Colossians 2, 13 and 14. And you, talking to, to people who know Jesus, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all of our sins by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. What does this mean? It's not just words from God saying, oh, I forgive you. No, Jesus has taken all of the debt, nailed it to the cross and cancelled the record of debt that was stood up against you, stood up against Simon. This record of debt, cancelled. Put your name, the record of debt against you. Jesus, nailed it to the cross, cancelled. This is what God has done for us in Christ. But wait, there's more. How does God relate to us? You know, does he distance himself from us? Does he just sort of have a black mark over our heads? Oh no, I don't like you. Does he, does he ask us to pay back for our sins? No, no black mark. No, he's not holding a grudge. He's not asking you to pay back with your good works. Has Jesus paid it or not? He's paid it in full. God has shown us mercy and he's absorbed the cost. The cross was so painful, he's paid for it all. What's the application here for us right now? Maybe you're watching this and this is your first time even just checking into an online church. Maybe in carrying a sense of guilt around you and you can't shift it no matter how hard you try. The sense of like, I know I've done things wrong and I just can't shift that. Friends, you can come to the cross of Christ today. You can start this, this live stream of online church with a sense of guilt and you can leave here knowing forgiveness and burdens lifted. That's what Jesus has done for us. You can finally be truly forgiven. Maybe you walk with Jesus and you're feeling guilt and condemnation. You can come to the cross today and fully offload it onto him and know forgiveness, true, lasting forgiveness you know I could stop here and we could sing a song of worship and response and love Jesus and friends this is the good news this is what gospel means it's good news it is but Jesus doesn't stop the parable here this is only the first half so he continued so I'm going to continue this is what it means to be forgiven this colossal amount of debt but it goes on verse 28 but when that same servant went out he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant, he fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, I'll, I'll pay you. He refused and he went out and he put him in prison so he should pay his debts. So then the fellow servants saw what had taken place. They were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. What's going on here? Firstly, what's a denarii? Well, a denarii is a one day's wage. So a labourer, like I said, let's say £100 a day. A denarii, a day's wage, £100. Jesus here is talking about 100 denarii. So now we're talking about the figure of around £10,000. That's, that's actual money. That's like 10 grand. And then to be owed 10 grand. Okay, now we're talking. I don't know if someone owes you 10 grand. I've had friends in businesses that they've been screwed over and you know, 20 grand or something. To be owed 10K, that, that's actual money. Okay, fair enough. Not a nice position. And he refused to let the guy off. You owe me money, you need to pay. But it says in verse 31, his fellow servants, they saw what had taken place and they were greatly distressed. Why? Here's a guy who's been let off five billion. Okay, it's okay to receive mercy, but when someone else owes you, even if it's a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction, less than 0.01%, not willing to show mercy to someone else. What is that? What's Jesus trying to say here? That's an insult to mercy. That's not saying, thanks, Abba, no thanks. That's an insult to generosity. 
Verse 32, let's read on. The master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave all that debt because you pleaded with me. I should not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in his anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. And here's the kicker in verse 35. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother in your heart. What's going on here? You begin to feel the master's displeasure to receive mercy but not show mercy. So what's Jesus saying? Remember these characters, the king, that's God, the servant, that's us. Who's this fellow servant? The fellow servant is anyone in your life who's hurt you, who's done something wrong, sinned against you, whatever, so now that you feel they owe you something. Any character in your life who sinned against you, it could be friends, spouse, parents, boss, whoever, anyone. When someone wrongs you, genuinely, actually hurts you, it's painful, and you don't forgive them, you hold that over them, we are just like the unmerciful servant in this story. Let me explain. I think, yeah, but you, know, you don't know what, what, what's been done to me, Simon. You don't know the level of pain that I've had to go through. You, know, you don't know how much I've suffered, the abuse I've had to walk through, the bullying that's affected me, the heart of betrayal. And you're right, I don't. And I'm not saying just ignore it, you know, you know it's fine. No, I'm not saying that. And the Bible said either. It wasn't that he owed him 10 pounds. No, it was 10,000 pounds. It was, it was real money. It's almost like Jesus acknowledging, you know, life is going to hurt. That, that is going to hurt. People are going to do things that hurt you. You're going to feel like people owe you something. This is going to happen. But Jesus' point is this. Compared to this, what you owe God is nothing. And I say that respectfully, but compared to this, it's, it's nothing. The mercy God has shown to us far outweighs the debt we're owed by other people. And so to hold something against someone else, we're actually making a mockery of mercy. We're making a joke of generosity. It's like all that God's given us, ah, who cares? You're just mocking God. Do you understand that? When we don't forgive other people, we're mocking God's mercy. So you can see why God takes it seriously. It says in verse 34, let's go on. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debts. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of us if we don't forgive our brothers in our heart. Who are these jailers? It was also translated in the Greek, torturers. Let me explain. Having received mercy from God, but to not pass it on and just show forgiveness and release other people of debt in our lives, you're actually giving the enemy a foothold in your life. Hold up, the enemy, like Satan, like you guys actually believe that stuff. Yes, the Bible teaches he is a real person. He seeks to destroy and ruin and rob our city of joy and life. And he likes to create discord amongst people and especially within the church. He does have power, it's only limited power. The unforgiveness, when you choose to withhold showing mercy to other people, yeah, and it turns into a deep anger and bitterness, it actually begins to take root in your life. You're not just opening up your life to the enemy, you're actually giving him legal ground in your life. 
They might sound a bit scary or unfair. No, what's, what's fair is you pay. But actually, God's shown us mercy. He's shown us mercy. We've chosen not to pass it on. He's saying, whenever you say, I'm never going to forgive them, do you realise what you're saying? And just to go a little bit further than this, we move on to the good news. Hey, the root of bitterness in our life, it can begin to affect us in so many ways. Our mental health, unforgiveness and bitterness can lead to depression, anxiety, the endless growing of hurtful scenarios in your head. It messes with us mentally. Even our spiritual health, you begin to feel dry. The loss of the sense of the presence of God in our life, it robs you of spiritual life. It can affect our physical health. You know, unforgiveness can affect you physically, sickness, illness, even just relationally with people around you. Unforgiveness can can just make you a hostile person. Get angry very quickly. You're very sensitive. When we're actually harbouring things, it's torturous. We can try healing, try other stuff. That's not the issue. By harbouring unforgiveness, you give the enemy legal ground your life to affect you and to wreak havoc. It's torturous. Now, open bracket, am I saying that all sickness and physical, spiritual, mental illness in our life is because of unforgiveness? No, I'm not saying that at all. You can't start there and work backwards. But what I am saying is some of it might be. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, this is definitely something that could happen in your life. It's like, I'll make them pay. But you're putting yourself in a prison. It's easier just to move on, right? No, it's not easier. It's a far worse place to be. When you have a grudge against someone and as you receive the mercy of God, God takes that very seriously. You think, okay, oh, that's difficult. Do you know a friend of mine, Steph Liston, who leads a church in London, he says, unforgiveness is often at the root of, some, of most of the issues in church life. This is massive. It's a massive topic for us. So if you made it this far, thank you. Well done. You're doing well. But of course... We can't just like, we say the pain's too deep. It's impossible. I can't do this, Simon. I can't just, you don't know what they've done. It hurts so much. You're right, it is impossible. But we're not talking about an earthly kingdom here. We're talking about a heavenly kingdom. The way of the master is so different. He's the God of justice. Not just sweep it under the carpet, ignore it. He's the God of mercy. And Colossians 3.13, I'll just end with this. It says, as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. This points back to the cross of Christ. Jesus has taken it all upon himself. Friend, you've been let off, eternally let off. You will never have to pay for your sins ever again. That's what Christ has done for you. Yeah, you confessed unto him, you never have to pay it back. And as he's forgiven you, what does it say? So you must also forgive others. You can't be a receiver of mercy and not hand it on to others. You think, I'll put them in a prison. No, you're putting yourself in a prison. Hey, listen, Jesus wants to stretch out a hand to you today and lead you out of the prison of unforgiveness. I know it's hard. I know it hurts. As a church, we have a little process here. Eight steps for how to forgive. How do you do it? Eight steps how to forgive. I'm not going to go into it now. We'll talk about it a bit later on in the service. We want to just equip you of how to forgive. But just to answer the question, how many times should we forgive? Peter's like seven. No, just like 77. There's no limit. We just, when we know the mercy of Christ, we're able to forgive others. True forgiveness is only found in the kingdom of heaven. This heavenly kingdom. It's not like another kingdom. When you come across the kingdom of heaven, oh, you can be fully, finally forgiven. But also relationships in the church look different. 
we've received mercy, we can hand it on to others. The wonder of Jesus. This is only possible because of him. So hey, I don't know what your lockdown has been like. I don't know what your family life's been like. Marriages, I'm sure you've been hurt by different things. We all have. Just life's been difficult and intense. It's friendships, marriages, grudges, annoyances. Come on, let's come right now to Jesus. Come to the wonder of the cross. Receive mercy from him. Let's start there. We'll get to other people in a minute, but you start with you before him. Let's come to Jesus. And in a moment, we're going to sing. Let's sing to him right now.